Welcome to another episode of the Halloween Podcast. I'm your host, Lyle Perez. And for today, we're going to go all the way back in time, back to the 1950s. Because we're going to listen to another old-time radio show. This one is from the Hall of Fantasy, which if you remember from our first uh, old-time radio show that we did... It uh, That was uh, from the Hall of Fantasy, The Dance of the Devil Dolls. So we're going to go back to that because uh, the one for this episode, He Who Follows Me, is another one that creeped me out. And I hope it creeps you out. It uh, originally aired in March 11th, 1950. Do you remember what you were doing on March 11th, 1950? Most of us were probably not born. But if you were born, you were probably very young. And, uh, well, I kind of take that back. I was, I own a computer repair shop and I did a computer repair for an older gentleman one day who, uh, he was very, like, very aware, very, um, brightly. He, he acted like a young man and he showed me his ID. The guy was 92, 92. I saw that. I could not believe it. I my office is upstairs and he carried his computer all the way up there no joke and he was 92 this was probably about three years ago so I don't know if he is still with us I haven't heard from him since then well actually no I I heard from him about six months later that he was having more problems but I helped him out again and then that was the end of it and yeah, he was 92, and I actually remember talking to him about, like, uh, old-time radio shows and about the um, broadcast from uh, Orson Welles, the the War of the World broadcast, and he remembers listening to it, and he was telling me, um, yeah, he listened to it, he knew it was a story, and nobody, like, in his house was going crazy, there was nobody rioting in the streets next to him or anything like that, so... He said a lot of people took it seriously, but he didn't see anything like that, which is pretty cool to actually get first-hand experiences from uh, the generation that was way before our generation. So that was pretty cool. So yeah, the Hall of Fantasy is the one we're going to listen to now. It's pretty cool. Uh, He Who Follows Me is the name of the episode, March 11th, 1950. So let's get this show started. And now... The Hall of Fantasy. Welcome to the Hall of Fantasy. Welcome to the series of radio dramas dedicated to the supernatural, the unusual, and the unknown. Come with me, my friends. We shall descend to the world of the unknown and forbidden, down to the depths where the veil of time is lifted and the supernatural reigns as king. Come with me and listen to the tale of He Who Follows Me. The death that walks? Well, 
How did he come to get that name? Because people around here have seen him at night. But he's dead. That's right, he's dead. And they've seen him walking. Ah, this must be their imagination. It ain't their imaginations, I know. I've seen him myself. What are you trying to do? Frighten us? I ain't trying to frighten you, none. <laughs> I don't have to. He'll frighten you. Old Mr. Tynus. The death that walks. Because he'll come for you. <laughs> he'll come for you. In just a moment, the Hall of Fantasy will present He Who Follows Me. And now for our story. Adapted for radio by Richard Thorne, entitled He Who Follows Me. I have before me the diary of a dead man. He and his wife were my best friends. The words he has written down tell a tale so fantastic it's almost impossible to believe. Yet I know that Bill and Helen Mason lived the last few months of their lives in dread fear of the slow steps that followed them. It is late evening as I read his words. I have come to their house now so empty and sit in the large overstuffed leather chair in the library. Outside, rain pummels against the side of the house. The wind blows the fall leaves from the trees and the sound of thunder gives vent to the anger of the storm. There's something in the house. A tension. A fear, perhaps. I feel almost as if unseen eyes were watching me. As if someone is here with me. Here in this room. And so I start to read his diary. Living words from the pen of a man who sleeps forever. March 3rd. Today, Helen and I came across one of those delightful old southern mansions. We decided to stop and make a study of the place. And Helen was especially interested in taking some color pictures to illustrate our lecture series in the fall. Well, I guess no one will mind if we take a look around the place. No, I'm sure they wouldn't. Oh, it's a shame that whoever owns the house and grounds lets the place run down this way. It must have been beautiful in its day. Yeah, I imagine it was, Helen. And the house could still be saved, renovated. Beautiful place. Oh, wait, wait a minute. I- I'd like to get a shot from here. Hmm. Ah, if that turns out, it'll make a nice picture. Helen. Mm-hmm. I wonder what that building is over there. Where? Right over there, just in back of the house. Oh, well, no one's to stop us. Why don't we take a look? All right, let's do. Can't understand why anyone would let the grounds and house deteriorate so... Well, it must have cost a lot of money to run a place as large as this, darling. The real estate office probably couldn't find a buyer. Uh, you're probably right. I notice the other building doesn't seem to be so run down. No. It's in remarkably fine condition. It must have been built a lot later than the house. It seems to be made of stone. Gray stone. I wonder what it's used for. I don't know. Actually, I believe that someone lived in the old house not too long ago and... I think probably the second building was constructed during that time. Well, it's a crime to let a beautiful old place run down like this. Mm. Well, here we are. Bill? Yes, dear? It doesn't have any windows. Yes, I noticed that. Seems rather strange. Oh, well, maybe it was used for a storehouse. Oh, look at the door. What's the matter with it? I think the lock's broken. 
Hey, you're right. Why don't we take a look inside? All right. The lock's all rusted through. There. Yeah, that does it. And now to see what's inside. Well, there might not be any windows, but there's a skylight that lets in the sun. Come on, let's go in. All right. So I noticed. Helen... What's that in the center of the floor? <laughs> That's just what I was going to say. This isn't a storehouse by any stretch of the imagination. It's a mausoleum. That thing in the center of the floor is a sarcophagus. Stone coffin. There's nothing else in here. Just that... That thing in the center. And yet I feel as if... It's crowded. As if there are things here that we can't see. <laughs> That's nonsense, darling. Hey, look, notice how the sun falls across the head of the sarcophagus. Yes, oh, I wonder if we have light enough to take a picture. Well, I doubt it, but you could try. Well, I might as well if it turns out that... Yeah. What are you two doing in here? Oh, we noticed the lock was broken, and so we came on in. You shouldn't have done that. Why not? We didn't do any harm. I'm sure of that, but he won't like it. Who won't like it? The thing that sleeps in that stone coffin... What are you talking about? Just what I said. You didn't notice the writing over the door when you came in, did you? What writing? You didn't notice it then. That's a shame. Because you didn't know what you was getting into. Getting into? Look, I'm sorry, but I just don't understand. We didn't hurt anything. We're not intending to steal anything. Well, that don't make no difference. He doesn't care what your reasons were. Who is he? They called him Mr. Thomas when he was living. They called him the... Death that walks now that he's dead. The death that walks? How did he come to get that name? Because people around here have seen him at night. But he's dead. That's right, he's dead. And they've seen him walking. That must be their imaginations. It ain't their imaginations, I know. I've seen them myself. What are you trying to do? Frighten us? I ain't trying to frighten you none. <laughs> I don't have to. He'll frighten you. Oh, Mr. Thomas. The death that walks. I uh, think we'd better go, Bill. You don't believe what I'm telling you. That's all right with me. I don't care what you believe, but you listen to what I'm saying now. If I was you, I'd get away from here as fast as I could. Not just from this place, but from the town, from this part of the country. Why? You want me to tell you a little of the story? Yes. All right. Maybe you'll believe me then. Old Tannis came here from someplace in Europe. I say old, but he really wasn't old. Just seemed that way. He brought the house and grounds here and had them cleaned up till the place looked like it was brand new. Then he started building this here building. There's something funny about town. There's something in his eyes that, that made you frightened of him. His eyes, they looked like the eyes of a, of a dead man. He didn't act like anyone I ever knew. He was always talking about death. Always telling me he could come back after death. I was the caretaker then, just like I am now. After this building was completed, I used to watch him at night when he'd come out here. It seemed like he was in some sort of a trance. He'd stay out here for hours. And when he'd come back to the house, his, his eyes would glisten and shine. So you couldn't hardly look at him. A week before he died, he told me that as long as I lived, I was to take care of this place. Because if I didn't, he, he'd come back and kill me. And then he died. Just like that. 
And he was put in here, in this coffin. And one night, about two months later, when the moon was full, I heard a noise. And when I come out to look, I saw the door to this place opening. And him come out in the moonlight. And I could hear his footsteps. It sounded queer and hollow-like. And he turned around and I could see his face in the moonlight. Pale and pasty, sick-looking. And those eyes of his seemed like two burning coals of fire. He seemed to be looking at me. And I heard him say, They have disturbed me, and the moon has awakened me. I shall follow them. That's what he said. And I heard it just as plain as you're hearing me. And then he vanished in the night. Towards morning... I heard his footsteps again. And I heard that big iron door closing. And I knew he was back. The next day in town, I heard that Alf Cummins had died the night before, screaming something about not meaning to go into the mausoleum. I knew who killed him. And that's all there is to the story? Oh, that's just part of it. It's happened again and again in the last ten years since he's been dead. Folks around here say he'll follow you wherever you go if you come inside here. Well, in that case, why haven't you been killed? Because he needs me. <laughs> he ain't going to kill me. But if I was you, I, I'd get out of this part of the country just as soon as I could. Let's go back to the hotel, Bill. Yeah, it's all right, dear. You going to get away from here? Yes, we'd better get going. Yeah, I wish I'd have been here when you come, but I was in town getting this lock. You can't go around leaving this door unlocked. Yeah. That ought to satisfy him. There's the inscription, Bill. Yeah, that's the writing I mean. Got a nice sentiment, ain't it? If you enter here, into the realm of death, I shall follow you. And bring him with me. March 3rd, later. I sit here and write these words. It's quite late and the moon has risen full in the sky. Helen is standing by the window looking out. For some reason, I am frightened. And yet I know that a few months from now I shall only laugh at the memory of my fright. However, in the morning, I do believe that we will leave this place. All through? Yes, for tonight at least. I think we'll be leaving tomorrow, Helen. Oh, I'm glad. I don't believe the caretaker story, and yet I'm afraid. Yeah. It's a beautiful night. Yes, isn't it? That moon's so big and full that it could... Bill. Yes, dear? Look down there at the street. There's a man down there. Oh, but there's nothing to be... Bill! He's looking straight up at us. And pointing to us at... Look at his face, Bill. Look at his face! Pale. Pasty looking. And his eyes... Like two burning coals of fire. Back now to our story. 
adapted especially for radio by Richard Thorne, entitled, He Who Follows Me. As I read these pages, the words tear up at me, and their formations bring to life a nameless terror which I feel all around me. Outside, the storm still rages, yet the sound of it fades from my mind as the terror in the pages of the volume I hold before me becomes increasingly apparent. March 3rd, still later. The man down in the street, whomever he was, left after about 10 minutes. He has given us quite a fright where I felt any doubts as to whether or not we should leave this place. They've all been dispelled now. Helen has just gone to bed. I think I shall do the same. If we're going to leave in the morning, you'd better get to sleep, Bill. I want to get out of here as soon as I can. Yes, I was just coming to bed, Helen. That man we saw... Yes? It might be only coincidence... Do you really believe that, Helen? Or are you trying to talk yourself into it? I guess I'm trying to rationalize it. And I'm afraid I'm not doing a very good job of it. Uh, I don't know what to believe. It could be coincidence, but somehow I'm afraid it isn't. Then you think that... Maybe. No, don't worry about it, Helen. By tomorrow we'll be several hundred miles from here. And I doubt if whomever it was will follow us. Yeah. They sound just like the steps the caretaker described to us. Yes, but we saw him walk away. I think Billy's in the room upstairs. Well, it's probably someone else. It's not, I know it's not. All right, all right. Just a minute, I'll call the desk. This is William Mason in 316. Can you tell me who has the room directly above mine? Clerk's going to check. Yes? Oh, I see. No, no, thank you very much. What did the clerk say? The room directly above ours is unoccupied. March 4th. We left the hotel a short time after we heard the steps. We went immediately to our car and drove all night and all day and are stopping now in a motel almost a thousand miles away. It's reassuring to know that he could not possibly follow us. I am very tired. Go to bed and get an early start in the morning. Helen, you asleep? No. What are you thinking about? The words that were written above the mausoleum door. If you enter here into the realm of death, I shall follow you and bring him with me. Yes. Yes, I hear them, too. He couldn't possibly have come this far, could he? I don't know. What's the matter? I saw a face. Pressed against the window. It's not there now. It was there for just a few seconds. I saw it, Bill. The same man we saw last night outside the hotel. He was right outside the window. March 5th. This morning when I went in to pay the bill... The man who owns the motel said a strange, pasty-faced man had been in earlier and told him to tell me that he would follow me. 
March 11th. It's impossible to get any material together that'll help me in my work. Everywhere we go, he's there also. March 16th. Yeah, Mr. Mason, this guy said it was all right for you to go on ahead because he was going to follow you. March 22nd. No, he didn't leave a name. He just said that he'd be in touch with you. April 7th. Never saw anyone who looked like that before. See a friend of yours, Mr. Mason? April 18th. He said he'd follow you. April 29th. Told me to say he'd follow you. May 15th. Follow you. 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 I wish there was something I could do, Helen, but there's nothing. I've done my best, Logan, but I can't. I want to go home, Bill. Oh, if we go home, it'll be the same thing. Maybe. Maybe it won't. I can't stand this anymore. All right, all right, darling. We'll leave for home right away. June 23rd. We arrived home this evening. I called Gary as soon as I could. He said he'd be out within the hour to see us. He wasn't able to help us in any way. I really didn't expect any help. I was hoping that he might be able to offer some concrete suggestion as to what to do. However, last night was the first night in months that we haven't been aware of his presence. Maybe, maybe Helen is right. Perhaps he won't follow us here. Back now to our story, adapted especially for radio by Richard Thorne, entitled, He Who Follows Me. July 3rd. We've not seen or heard anything unusual since we first came home. I feel as a man might feel who has been given a new lease on life. July 10th, still nothing. August 19th. For the past two months, a feeling of peace and security has enveloped the house. Helen and I have been able to go around with no sense of danger nor of dread. But last night, that feeling was shattered. Gary had come out for dinner. It was almost 10 o'clock. Well, it's about time for me to get along. Oh, it's only 10, Gary. Sure, you don't have to go so soon. I'm afraid I must, Helen. Tomorrow's a working day for me. I thought I might be able to get you into the game of chess. Oh, some other time, Bill. Well, next time, don't stay away so long. Don't worry. I think we ought to... Tell me, is someone upstairs? No. Listen. (gasps) He's back. Who's back? The man we told you about. Those are his footsteps. I'd know them anywhere. I should. I've heard them enough. What are you going to do? Look, will you come upstairs with me, Gary? Yes, of course. You stay here, Helen. Don't go up there, Bill. Don't let him, Gary. No, Helen. This time I'm going to meet him face to face. Then I'm going with you. No, you're not. You're going to stay right here. Ready, Gary? Yes. Okay, let's go. Be careful. As careful as we can. 
to use up there. What are you going to do? I don't know. We'll find that out when the time comes. Those steps came from the guest room. I don't hear anything. Well, let's see if he's in there. Stand back, Gary. I'm going to open the door. Right. It's empty. There's no one in here. But I heard someone up here. Yes, he was here, but he's gone. I can feel it when he's near me. I know that... Come on. Helen! Helen, where are you? Helen! There she is. In the front room. Helen. What's the matter, Helen? Helen, answer me. She can't, Bill. She's sitting there with her eyes wide open. She's dead. August 23rd. We buried her today. As I sit here in the empty house writing this, I know that Tannis will come for me too. I am writing this in the hope that someone will find it, read it, and maybe understand my death. lonely here, yet suddenly I have the feeling that I'm not alone. Someone is here with me. He is here in this room with me. I'm afraid to turn and meet him, to have those eyes of his burning into me. And yet, yet I must. I pray that someone reads this. Perhaps he will... He will... I have read the manuscript in full. The August 23rd entry was the last he ever made. The feeling of creeping horror that runs through the pages has imparted itself to me and I sense that someone is here with me of course I realize that it's only my imagination but I can't shake that feeling there is someone here Characters and events portrayed in these programs are fictional, and any similarity to actual events or persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental.
I wonder what that dead man's problem was. He reminds me of like that grouchy old man that would yell get off my lawn, but he would kill you instead. That's what he reminds me of. Uh, but this was a cool story. I guess it's supposed to be like a metaphor for trespassing. Don't trespass into, you know, places you're not supposed to be at or um, a dead guy will follow you and kill you and then kill your friend later at the end. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, this is a it's a pretty cool story. Not something that uh, you need you should listen to at night cuz uh I'm listening to it at night and I'm constantly looking over my shoulder to make sure nothing's there cuz I can't hear anything with these headphones on but the sound of my voice. Pretty creepy. So that's going to do it for this episode. If uh, you like what I'm doing here and you want to send me some comments, some uh, suggestions, anything, you can go ahead and send those to the Halloween podcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Halloween podcast. You can go ahead, give the page a like. I'm going to be posting a lot of cool stuff there. If you'd like to support the show, you can go ahead and go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Those always help. You can also go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash amazingadvertising. And Amazing Advertising is my other podcast, and I don't want to have more than one Patreon. So you can go ahead and find the stuff for the Halloween show there. For as little as a dollar a month, you can go ahead and help uh, help us pay for hosting and you can get some extra bonus content. And I might even do a couple of shows every now and then just for Patreon people uh, throughout the year. So that's an idea I'm kicking around. And uh, yeah, I think I, I might do that because that sounds like a pretty cool idea to me as long as I get Patreon supporters, which uh, I'm hoping to get so I can pay for the hosting year round. And uh, yeah, so that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you tomorrow with another spooky episode. Because I think I'm only, what, eight shows down from Halloween? And uh, it's been a lot of fun, I'll tell you that. All right, good night.